Hello, my friends. I'm here with Isabel. We've just recorded an awesome podcast for you and we're just celebrating that fact. So Isabel, thank you for this conversation. It's just been a heart expanding one, I think. So um, tell us what are your highlights from this conversation and why should people listen in? Well, the main highlight, Perry, I have to say, my cheeks are hurting. I've been smiling so much. So you've you've enabled that. So thank you. I've I've enjoyed it so, so much. And the idea that you are there and you've had your Thursday and I'm here in Twickenham in the UK and I'm about to have mine. I love that. I love the fact that there's that. I love that we've talked about all the things that I know, I'm bold enough to say, I know will resonate with some of your listeners, different parts with some of your listeners at different moments. The main through line for me, though, has been the importance and the value of showing up and connecting with people in a way that feels good enough. And the importance of that message, not only for us, but for the generations coming below us. Uh, we talked about parenting. We talked about being mums. We, we covered so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> we did. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually managed to keep my mum's stories out, out of the way. And, you know, so the proud mum didn't come through from this side, but um, I was asking you about your parenthood and uh, and the lessons you've been learning from your six-year-old sage. And I love it. And, uh, you know, as, as we're speaking, I'm thinking, I've spent half of this podcast with my hand on my heart. And I just saw that you did that too. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this is hand on heart, an awesome episode. And so thank you, Isabel, for sharing. And thank you, friends, for listening. Let's go. me feedback is conversation that's what it is it's it's the ability to continue to have those conversations and the problem with appraisals or annual appraisals i mean it's counterproductive because you don't want to wait a year to hear a message right Welcome to Connect With Confidence podcast, and I am so delighted to be connecting right across the globe with Isabel Pollan, who I connected with on LinkedIn recently. And, you know, sometimes you just, you see people's words and actually it's Isabel's 10 second videos. You can drop a lot of gems in 10 seconds or, you know, one at a time. But anyway, welcome, Isabel. So good to have you here. Thank you very much, Kerry. It's amazing to be here. And I love the idea of being, as you say, connected into two very, very polar opposite time zones. It's, it still wows me. I know we should be used to it by now, but I still have a sort of childlike excitement about the fact that we can do this. It's remarkable. And I'm just realizing that as we speak, I'm, I'm recognizing your voice because I've only heard your voice once on a LinkedIn voice message many weeks ago. So um, it's, um, it's wonderful to have the voice back and it makes me realize what a difference the voice can make in our communication yes yes and there's a little tip for our LinkedIn friends you can just send a little voice message from your phone I don't think it works on your computer but just sending a little voice message is such a lovely way to connect with people and I think especially when it's people on the other side of the world because you go oh what a delightful accent well I mean I adore your accent and you do these beautiful 10 second videos so you know I've been seeing those um but and also, I think you probably are tuned into voice. And I just noticed recently, oh, you've got this whole background in acting. And do you want to give us a quick overview of your life and what brings you here? And then maybe I'll just throw in some questions. I just love that you're up for anything um, because I didn't send you any questions. I didn't, you know, like get you to prepare anything. You're just going to come and be you and I'm being me. And we love that. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You know, I think that's the greatest gift is to just 
show up in the most present way that you can, particularly at the moment when we have a plethora of distraction every day. We have we are bombarded by information, by requests, by wonderful requests. You know, the energy is very exciting to ride. And I find through that it takes real practice to be present with people. So in answer to your question, overview of my life. Well, I grew up in London. I was born in London. And then when I was 10 years old, we moved away from London and uh, not too far away. It sounds like we moved far away. We, we didn't. We, we live on a very small island, as you know, <laughs> so it's difficult to go all that far away. But we moved very close, actually, just about an hour south of London. And then the following year, I went to boarding school. So I didn't really spend much time in that home. It was a very beautiful home. It's an amazing, uh, slightly surreal um, shout out to Bart. Berkey, who I recently did a podcast with, who I, I talk about this in quite a bit of detail, the, the transition from living in a very, very lovely London home, um, in that it was it was narrow, like most city homes are, but it had two floors and we had a little garden. And, you know, as city homes go, it was it was it was a very lovely place to be to then moving into the expanse of a farmhouse. I, it was it was extraordinary for me I thought we'd move to a hotel <laughs> it was unbelievable um and then went to boarding school which uh, my parents gifted me really because they never had that experience they knew that it was a very good school I got into it luckily uh, I rode on my English I did not pass my maths and that hasn't really changed in 47 years <laughs> um and then when I was there, I discovered uh, I discovered performance and I discovered what it meant to be in front of an audience in a in a story context. I'm the eldest of seven, Kerry. So wow. in a way, um, and I mean this in the best possible way, and I've never actually articulated like this before. I was always on show, I suppose, in a way with with family gatherings, you know, as the eldest your parents very naturally defer to this is our eldest. And, and then there's always, they, they would say that in a very loving way. And then there was always a pause and somebody had to fill it. So, so I was used to connecting with people from a very early age and usually people older than myself. The, the experience of performance, which I was given the gift of when I was 12, I, I got the main part in the house play at school was something else. And uh, then to fast forward to 15, there was a lady who came from the drama school that I ended up going to. Now, by the age of 15, I was just really enjoying doing it. I, I hadn't thought about, and indeed hadn't thought ever about it as a career as such until I got to the end of my training. It was something that I loved and it felt like a shot in the arm every time I did it. So 15 years old at this workshop, and there was a lady there who was from, from RADA and we did this funeral scene uh, from Chekhov. Cherry Orchard, it's called the, the play and, and there's a funeral improv scene that we were doing. And at the end of it, she came to me and she said, have you thought about going to drama school? And I said, no. And two words that she gave me that changed the trajectory of everything were you must. That's cool. 
You must. And uh, I still get goosebumps every time I tell this story, because when she said that, I I really believed her <laughs> and uh, it, it triggered a permission in me, I guess, to follow that because nobody in my family had any, any connection with theatre at all. There was nothing. So there was no real compass in that respect. And she was the first person to really give me that. Uh, and then I had another mentor that was my my sixth form drama teacher. And then from there, I, I interviewed at universities because that's what I was expected to do. The school I was at was very academic. It was incredibly privileged. I was very lucky to be there. I didn't want to go to university. I wanted to go to drama school. So I auditioned uh, secretly. I didn't tell anyone I was auditioning. <laughs> and um, I, got, I got invited back to uh, three out of the five that I auditioned for. I got into one of them. I didn't want to go there. And then I, I finally got through into RADA, which was incredible. And for the listeners that don't know, what that stands for, it's the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, and it's one of the most um, popular uh, drama schools in the world. And I and I and I really didn't didn't. It's not that I didn't believe I could get in; it's that I I couldn't imagine it. And then suddenly it was happening. Yeah. Um, and and not only that, but I was and I and I I feel it's important for me to tell this part of the story, not because I'm. Uh, in any way um, gloating about it but it's important for listeners I think to recognize that I had assumed when I went for the scholarship which is the funding for the place uh, from the local county council I'd assumed that I absolutely wasn't going to get that because I assumed because it was means tested I definitely didn't fall into the bracket I didn't perceive as somebody that needed that support and I got it and I got it and it and it shocked me, shocked me to my bones that I was, that not only had I got in, but I was being given the gift of financial support. And I'll never forget the day I went to the house with my letter from the council to my dad and his, he practically started crying. I mean, I think he probably did. He, cry, he cries quite easily, my dad. <laughs> um, and, and so I felt incredibly privileged. And so I made the most of every single moment at that drama school because I had friends in my year and there are only about 28 of us in the year group who were working shifts at bars after rehearsals to be able to afford to be there so um I really worked very very hard and I loved every single second of it and I mean to be a theatre student in London is I mean it's just there's so much I was just eating, living, sleeping, breathing, forgetting to sleeping, to sleep most of the time, actually. Yes. And then and then I was uh, very fortunate. I got a very good agent at the end of my second year there. It's a three-year course. And I left a little bit early. And my first job was at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. Do you know, do you know of that? No, but that sounds exciting. Yeah, it's one of our main outdoor open air spaces. In fact, it's the only... You think, well, there's the Globe, there's Shakespeare's Globe on, on the South Bank, which is a wonderful open air theatre space as well, which had not been built back then. So it, it was really the only outdoor open air, internationally renowned space. And um, and I got the lead in the, in, in the play there. And, and it was a wonderful title for a first job, which was All's Well That Ends Well. <laughs> and, wow. Um, yeah, it was quite a moment and it was a real baptism by fire 
And uh, there was a lot that had I had the opportunity to do that job 10 years down the line, there were things I'd have done differently, of course. Having said that, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And then really, uh, I just went from there and and I actually chose to do theatre. I, I, I purposefully chose that. I was being pushed towards film and TV and I didn't have the patience for it. So I left that agent and I went to another agent that was keen to take me on, which was great. And and I've toured the world and I've not come to Australia yet. Oh, uh, so you haven't really toured the world. <laughs> no, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, but almost. That's okay. <laughs> almost. Come on um, down. Yeah, missing out one of the main main locations, of course. Uh, but toured with um, the Royal Shakespeare Company. So we did the Merchant of Venice. We went to China and Japan and the States and um, Kuala Lumpur. It was it was an incredible time. Uh, and then I and then I eventually uh, things happened later for me in life, uh, generally. So I I it took me a while to to calm down a little bit. And by the end of my thirties, I thought right. I suppose I better grow up a little bit. So I, I don't know if you remember, I um, I hashtagged something on LinkedIn relatively recently called the Peter Pan approach. No, I missed that one. It's the Peter Pan approach, which my daughter did Peter Pan recently, and it reminded me of the importance of this concept of, of course, maintaining all the behaviours that matter as an adult, like accountability, respect, all of those things and not losing that ability to be childlike yeah no. and and so i uh, i i realized quite quickly that i that i needed to find a way of growing up <laughs> and uh, i i very fortunately met my partner um camilla who is an osteopath and we've been together for nine years now and very quickly we decided to have a child and we have a six-year-old daughter called jemima so so this chapter of my life has been about being a mum as well as everything else yeah. and building my own building my own coaching work, which I started 13 years ago uh, because I wanted to do something that felt more aligned with the giving and, and the inherent skill set that I had as a performer. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of very respectable hospitality jobs and things in between acting, but I wanted to find a career that supported that and that also brought in some more consistent income uh, because that is the tricky thing about being an actress is you you know you are there doing what you love uh, and being paid for it and then suddenly that stops and, yeah. and you have to find the next thing so um that that's an overview that's great and, and so so two things immediately come to mind I'm like which way do I go uh because I've seen you share wisdom from your little sage and uh, so I'd love to hear more about that. What would what would she be saying right now to us? <laughs> and uh, okay, I've lost the other thing. So let's let's come back to that. So what are some of the pearls of wisdom that you've gained from just observing your daughter growing up? And you know, how is she developing your leadership experience and your parenting? Thank you for asking that question. Uh, it's a lovely question to ask. And I suppose I'd say I don't really know where to start because. It's a daily, a daily occurrence. Her, her teaching of me is a daily, daily practice. And um, I suppose as 
in terms of the context of leadership, it's about the, the challenge of assumptions. So as a parent, you assume so much about this role. Uh, we, we care in a way that we perhaps, perhaps don't about other things uh, so much about this role. And we feel such a sense of responsibility. We feel such a sense of hope and uh, we want all the best things for our children. Uh, I think that's true of every parent and at least I'd hope so. And, um, and so th there's a lot riding on that role as there is. So I'll airlift that into leadership. Yeah. And sometimes those feelings can be very similar. You know, we have people that we are responsible for. We have people that we want the best for. Um, and and so my daughter has and is teaching me that actually it's good enough to show up and be with her and allow her to lead within reason. Yeah. <laughs> allow her to lead that process. When I first started out as a parent, I was trying to do it all and doing it all on my schedule, on, on my time, because I thought that was the best thing for her. So I'll give you an example, just so it doesn't sound too generic. Um, I really struggled, Kerry, with, with uh, back pre-COVID. So, I mean, my God, a lot has happened in our world, right? Yeah. Uh, since, since she was a little one. I, in those days, I was traveling across London a lot, uh, to deliver coaching and and also to do acting jobs so there was a lot going on and I went back to it when she was only five months so she was very little I was very inexperienced at this job and I, I was I was pushing in the mornings in particular I was pushing her to be doing certain things at certain times now again let's let's airlift that into leadership and in in my mind right now I'm thinking uh, it could be in the context of feedback. It could be in the context of uh, a promotion conversation. It could be in the context of this is what you need to do to fit in with the team conversation. Whatever it is, that drive to make things happen the way you need them to happen because of your film in your head uh, is not always helpful. So I've learned I suppose this incredibly long-winded way of saying I've learned how to be wrong as a parent, how to get it wrong and be okay with that and, yeah. and be and be more comfortable in uncertainty than the certainty of if I do this, this will happen, then that will happen, and then this will. And you know, I projected sort of to the end of the day, it was ridiculous in my head as to how things would play out. So being in the moment, she keeps me firmly in the moment I love that and, mm. and that's something that would come from your whole acting career too that being present and I've seen you talk about that online and it seems you know with the the shifts in our world so much and people being online connecting with their teams online and mm. people that they would normally be in an office with and uh it's more important than ever, isn't it, to really be present with people and 
yeah, just share more of your thoughts on that. Like what's coming up for you in coaching conversations with like the teams or leaders that you're working with? It's very simple. It's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a simple practice and it's difficult to do, <laughs> which is uh, it starts with the breath. Mm-hmm. So we can forget uh, that we are breathing all the time and we have this amazing natural resource. Yeah. That allows our body. So there's a there's a phrase I've used throughout my work, which I was gifted by a yoga teacher many years ago, which is that our breath is more intelligent than our brain. Mm. And it's true because our body responds instantaneously to how we breathe. Mm-hmm. Yet it doesn't always respond to our thinking in the way that we need it to. So that's where I start with pretty much all the work that I do is our, is our breathing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we could do it now. If we were to take a breath in through the nose for four and then out through the mouth, just exhale. Feel different? Mm. Yeah. So it affects our vision, our hearing, our voice, everything. That's where I start. And the conversations are different depending on who I'm coaching, of course. But I would say we cannot get away from how COVID has shifted that perspective in terms of connection. We were forced to disconnect at that time yeah. as, human, as human beings across the world in a way that we've never, ever been forced to do before. And we've come back from that with this beautiful awareness of what it means to be together. Mm. Uh, and so I, I don't want to talk too much about it. It's important to recognize, though, the impact that's had on, on our, I suppose, our, our awareness of, of what it means to be present with each other again. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's, there's a lot more I could say, but I think that's probably enough for now. Right? <laughs> yep. All, all the things that, you know, we, we need to talk about, we'll, we'll just keep coming up and it's all good. Um, so I just would love to hear about the conference that you recently went to, which is the reason that we're connected. So Claude Silver was posting about this amazing happiness conference. Was it Switzerland? And Antwerp in Belgium. Antwerp. Belgium, yes. And so, and then you're popping in on her comments, um, you know, making comments. And I'm like, oh, who's Isabel? And you're doing these great 10-second videos. Um, yeah, tell us about some of the takeaways from that. So the first person I need to credit for this is Jim Lippens, L-I-P-P-E-N-S. He is an extraordinary human being, and he is the reason that the conference happened at all. Wow. He's Belgian himself. He worked tirelessly with his team for the best part of three years to make this happen. They wanted it to happen uh, toward the end of COVID. Uh, Jim, apologies if I've got the timing wrong, but something like the second year of COVID, I believe they were hoping to put it on, then it didn't happen. And then finally in Antwerp, it happened. And I remember when I first saw, and I said this to Jim, because I spoke, I spoke to him recently on one of, his, one of his coffee breaks, which are very much worth tuning into if you haven't already. Um, I did see that one. Yeah. And, uh, and it, was, it was amazing because he just had this drive, this real 
drive to make this happen. And I remember when I saw it, when I first saw it advertised, I, I was honest with him. I'm I'm very skeptical of the word happy mm-hmm. because it can be misused. Yeah. And it can feel generic. Yeah. And actually, all of this language uh, needs context for it to land for people. Yes. And and to and to be memorable and useful and tangible and all those things that we need this to be. So I I saw it and I thought, hmm, that was my first reaction was 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 a slight retreat and a curiosity about the simplicity of how it was presented. And I saw Jim's face and I thought, that's a kind, intelligent face. So I'm gonna click. Yes. <laughs> that's that's what i that's what i did that that there was a, there was a there was a genuineness about it uh that 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 made me curious so i clicked and there it was and i thought wow actually this is something i've never seen before the idea that somebody is willing to put on an entire day that looks at what happiness actually means so it was answering my my cynicism you know it was it was mitigating that by saying, this is exactly why we're here, is to understand what happiness in practice actually is and looks like or could look like. And then to top it all off, I saw Claude Silva as one of the speakers. I followed Gary Vaynerchuk. So Claude is the chief, for those of you that don't know, Claude is the chief heart officer at Vayner Media, which is an incredible media agency in New York. And they they continue and have won many, many awards. Most importantly, though, their CEO, Gary Vaynerchuk, is somebody that I saw speak in Madrid eight years ago. Wow. It was a hospitality conference. Yeah, it was a WWF hospitality conference. And there were lots of suits. And I was there representing a consultancy, a very good consultancy that I was with at the time. So I was delighted to be representing them. And I was doing what you do at these things. And and having a chat and then I heard this this I heard this voice on stage and I thought that is different <laughs> uh, uh he's got um he's to me he sounds New York and I thought oh this sounds interesting he was he was really improvising and I thought oh I, I want to go and see this so I, I broke away from the person I was chatting to at the time and I went and there was this man in a, a lumberjack shirt and jeans and you know Nike trainers, I think, I don't know, but it looked like that, just talking to us in a really direct, intelligent, kind, the whole package was there. And I was wowed by him. And I followed him ever since. And his work is phenomenal. And then I I only discovered Claude relatively recently, actually, uh, this year. But when I saw she was speaking at the happiness conference, I thought I want to be there. Uh, So I booked my ticket. Uh, that that was it. I, I tend to do this. I, I I have a feeling about something and I go with it. Yeah. And uh, and I'm so glad I did because it was a, in, an incredible day. Jim and I connected, and uh, I took my my colleague Claire Dale, who's developing this wonderful physical intelligence work, which I'm also part of. And um, and we had a ball. We had an absolute ball. And and Claude was phenomenal, as I knew she would be. All the speakers there had some wonderful messaging and the whole event turned out to be a real celebration of not only being together, but 
sharing sharing this this drive that we all have to understand how to show up at our work and and how important that is that's so beautiful so i love that you've shared that because this is this is what connected us and i did see your video with jim his coffee break and right. you know i'm putting comments on it as i'm watching and uh, then he sent me a friend request and started chatting and uh I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but I'll be a guest on in November, I think. Um, oh, fabulous. Yes. Good. Yes. So he's got some exciting things coming up. And, um, yeah, we connected on all kinds of um, on all kinds of things. But, yeah, I get what you mean about just, you know, seeing this is a kind, intelligent face. <laughs> and we do just have those connections with people. We don't realise that just by, you know, sharing a photo of ourselves and a lot of people are hesitant to do that and, even now on LinkedIn, people start their profile without a photo and it's like, we want to see you. We don't want to see your cat or, I mean, I do love cats. I, I, you know, I love cats, love dogs, but uh, we want to see you. We want to engage with you and you don't realise how much just you being you really um, creates a possibility for connection and your 10-second videos. Like with all of the podcasts and, you know, here I am, doing podcasts that I want to kind of keep short, but I want to have these beautiful, deep, meaningful conversations. <laughs> There's so much content. And 10 yeah. seconds, you know, you can just do 10 seconds and share some gems, share some wisdom that, you know, can really uplift people and send them on their way with something that just adds hope, adds encouragement. And, you know, I'm all about encouragement. Um, but, you know, I, I confess I've been a little discouraged in the online space over the past um, year or so. Uh, I think just a little overwhelm of, mm. I'm on all of the platforms. I've been on them since like 2007 <laughs> and there's so much noise. You know, I want to come in, drop some encouragement and get out sometimes, but I also want to encourage all my friends that are doing beautiful things. And you would know this from going to a conference like that, your world just expands and you go, wow, there are so many people doing beautiful work in the world. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So it's like we want to be present online and be present offline. And I guess the last year I've been a lot more present offline, which has been great for me and the people that I'm with, but I'm loving wow. that. Yeah. Re-engaging with LinkedIn and connecting with people like you and Claude and Jim and uh, yeah, hopefully it's not too long until I'm, in your neck of the woods again and we can actually sit down and have a coffee that would be wonderful that would be wonderful and you know ditto if I'm ever over there which I intend to be one day because I haven't been yet so I need to come yeah uh, and yeah, I'd love to I'd love to see Australia and I'd love to see New Zealand those are the two places that yeah. I haven't been yet yeah, yeah. do them both together and uh, yeah. do you love animals I do okay I do love we animals. have a world famous zoo 10 minutes from home so I can take you for a lap around and um, wow, incredible breeding programs of endangered animals and, um, and of course, all the cuteness of meerkats and otters and the elegance of the giraffes. So we'll have a ball. Amazing. Well, it may well be a family trip. So if that's the case, then uh, my daughter really does love animals. I do. When I say I love animals, I'm curious about them. I, I, I appreciate them. I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm in love with them like she is. She she really she says she keeps saying she wants to be a traveling vet, which is a wonderful thing. So, uh, you know, what better place to start than Australia? So I might I might bring her with us. 
she's got a nice package there. Um, you know, why why be a vet in one place when you can be a travelling vet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and some of the vets at the hospital here, sorry, at the at the zoo here, the animal hospital, they're building a beautiful new animal hospital at the moment where anytime now you're going to be able to stand at a big glass wall and look in and see them you know doing dental checks on tigers and all kinds of things so um oh my gosh amazing yeah yeah really incredible um but yeah a lot of the keepers here the zookeepers and vets have you know gone and worked in Africa and you know been yeah been working with animals around the world so yeah tell her to keep dreaming and learning and adventuring it's very exciting. The world of possibilities ahead of her. That's so lovely. Um, what else would you like to share with us? I'm conscious of the time because you've got a very busy, exciting day ahead of you. But I feel like there's so many things that we could talk about. What am I missing? What am I not asking you about that you'd love to share? Oh, gosh. Um, or ask. I, yes. Uh, well, I, I, I'll ask if that's all right. I, I'd like to hear about what brought you to this work. Oh, gosh. Well, it was back in 2004 that I started coaching and that was from a place of recovering. Actually, I shared a podcast on LinkedIn today where I was a guest for Cohen Tan, who's written for my latest book, actually, and the previous one. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a colleague in Singapore. So early 2004, a doctor said, you won't work for five or 10 years. And <laughs> I was, because I was in a state of chronic burnout and chronic fatigue and mm -hmm. It wasn't understood back then. People were not talking about burnout or chronic fatigue. Uh, some people were like, you know, oh, I heard you had a mental breakdown. It's like um, my brain is just fog. It's not, you know, I'm not like in a corner crying. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like I just cannot string a sentence together. <laughs> I'm like I can't function. It's like I was waking up at 3 in the morning and thinking, oh, I could introduce this person to this person. We could do this. We could serve people like this. and I was just trying to run an organization and just doing my head in. You know, I love mm. the people, but not the admin. Like I'm not, not an admin person, even though um, <laughs> I want to keep this short. So I'm leaving out a whole lot here. But even though I did an office administration certificate after school, um, <laughs> after I finished school early, and that's another big story, but um, I'm not an admin person, not a logistics person. I totally appreciate people that are. But, um, yeah, that kind of did my head in and I just couldn't function. And so, yeah, doctors didn't know what to do with me. I picked up a virus from Singapore that, you know, was my neck was swollen from like halfway up my ears to right down to my collarbone and puffed out like a puffer fish. Wow. And so that was kind of the beginning of the end. You know, I was like I mm. struggling to function. I pushed through. That was all of 2003, pushed through and just crashed by the end of that year. And, uh, yeah, and the doctors March, April, 2004, you won't be able to work for five to 10 years. It just, I just rebelled against that. <laughs> I'm like, I know I didn't say this to the doctor. I probably was too timid to say anything at the time, but I, inside me, there was a very strong response. Like I know I'm on the planet for a purpose. I don't know what that is right now, but I know it's not to be on the lounge for the next five or 10 years. Like I just felt so written off. And so, you know, that got me exploring, you know, natural health, remedies and support and I was having massage twice a week which was not like relaxing massage it was muscle therapy and it was like getting all these toxins out of my system so my whole neck was like acne like a teenager and I never had it like that in, as a teenager but 
Yeah, I, I had some recovering to do. And that's when I came across coaching and I was like, oh, this is like the website I came across was like words from my journal. I was like, is this a thing? <laughs> you know, it's like I didn't know that this could be so amazing. Just like you didn't know that you could go to drama school, that you could have a scholarship. You just don't know the possibilities that are in front of you until it's there and you're like, oh, really, me? <laughs> And so I dove in, I did all the training I possibly could. And then I was invited to come back as an assistant trainer on all these courses that I'd done. And I just was so fully immersed in the coaching industry. And that just grew to like a, a global influence, which amazed me because I live in the country. I live six hours from Sydney, uh, six hour drive. And so sometimes your passion just makes you stand out and you're being remote or you know, people think that they're disadvantaged if they live in the country, but it really worked for me because people would say, oh, you've come all this way. And like, we complained about 30 minutes of traffic. <laughs> so I was just given opportunities to, um, you know, to connect with coaches right around the world and, mm. and then start training them and, and mentoring. And, you know, I started writing because you get inspired by your clients, don't you? And so I started writing and, oh my gosh, maybe one day I could write for a magazine. and the next month I'm offered to write or asked to write for a magazine every month. And uh, it's like, oh, possibilities are just opening up. And so it's just, I guess, following that question, how do I best serve the world? Like, how can I most be useful? Because, mm. you know, I, if I was just to assess the situation, I would have just gone, I don't really have anything to offer. <laughs> but we respond to feedback from people. I'm sure you've learned so much from and when I say feedback, a lot of people might think of, you know, constructive criticism, but the kind of feedback that has really shaped me and really helped me grow is people seeing possibilities in me that I didn't see myself. Mm -hmm. You know, when people say the way that you ask a question and then pause or the way you listen to me, I can see that you're really interested. And then you say to yourself, oh, I guess I do. And I guess that's important. And so you pay attention to that and you do that more. And it increases your impact. So I've had so much encouragement that has helped me keep moving forward. And it turns into books and books turn into speaking and speaking here turns into speaking there. And yeah, so it's kind of taken me so many places. And it's, yeah, so much because of the encouragement of other people. It does. Absolutely. It's, thank you for sharing that beautiful story and and also you've struck on a topic that is very close to my heart as well which is feedback yeah which I could you know perhaps we need to have another conversation about that because there's there's a lot there in relation to what you just said what interests me as a performer is I wasn't interested in what was working on stage I was only ever interested in what I could improve mm -hmm. and uh, as a coach I had to totally flip that mindset mm. and I had to find a way of uh, of owning what worked mm -hmm. and and really using that and noticing that in others as you say that Pygmalion effect of you do this really really well and so great I'm going to go and do more of it um, it's it's incredible how that expansive mindset is contagious and so that was that's continues to be a very interesting 
uh, not a clash, but a but a double-edged sword for me in terms of what I like to receive from my work, my acting work, and what I know matters. Having said that, uh, within a team, within a cast of actors, it's very important to continually have those conversations about what is working. Um, you know, for example, if you have a, a, a fight scene and you have to fight on stage, I did Macbeth, I know I'm not supposed to say that uh, out loud, but I did Macbeth, just that was the last show I did before COVID. And there, were, there are lots of there are lots of daggers in Macbeth. <laughs> so I'm lots... why, I'm, why I'm not supposed to be hearing that you did Macbeth. Uh, because well, there's a there's a there's a lot of superstition about saying the word Macbeth in the industry. You're not meant to say it because uh, bad things happen if you mention the word in a theatre. There's endless stories of scene, okay. scene scenery falling down and people getting crushed and. So it's it's a it's an old myth or or belief that's remained with us. That's why I said that. Okay. But but there are lots of daggers, as you can imagine in in the story of Macbeth. There's lots of fighting and and so when you're doing a scene like that, uh, you have to primarily you have to make sure that you're safe. Uh, so you want it to look realistic, but you don't want anyone to get hurt. And so you have to when you're choreographing those scenes and when you're doing your responses or your whatever it is, you're, and, and you're talking through it as well and doing all the text and trying to remember your lines, you have to focus on what's working in order to build that work. So within the work, those strength-based conversations are very important. When your director then comes to you and says, that was a wonderful scene, well done, you don't want to hear it. You just want to hear what else, what else can be what else can be better? What else? So it's 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 something I hear from athletes as well. You know, that, that's a very similar mindset for them. They're not particularly interested in what they're doing well. They want to always improve on their technique, on their approach, on their all of that. So mm. for me, feedback is conversation. That mm -hmm. that's what it is. It's it's the ability to continue to have those conversations. And the problem with appraisals or annual appraisals, which you know, I mean, it's counterproductive because you don't want to wait a year to hear a message, right? Yeah. Hmm. So I'm wondering what inspires you the most or what are you most passionate about doing something about, talking about, you know, what kind of wakes you up with inspired ideas? Wow. Uh, I, I guess anything to do with bringing up the best in people or lighting people up in a way that enables them to connect and and show up in a in a way that is imperfect and in the moment and all the things we've talked about and for me that the, the the experience of that has often come through my my acting so I could talk about acting all day <laughs> that's the thing that really that's the thing that has always and, and will always light me up. I love that. This is why you're here. You know, that I knew that there was that sense of connection and, uh, you know, bringing out the best in people and lighting people up. Uh, so it's so beautiful to hear that. And, you know, there's so much we can learn from you. And I really appreciate your time. It's gorgeous. So, um, yeah, is there anything else you want to add before I, like, wish you well into your day? I can tell you that this day, um, Thursday, has been wonderful. So you are setting into... Um, you're stepping into a fabulous day. 
Well, it's 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 just that, Kerry. You know, when I was thinking about uh, last night coming on this morning, and and just the wondrous thing of you having had your Thursday, and I'm about to step into mine. I just think that's there's something there's something really magical about that. So so let's do it again. Yeah, I'm just like tossing you like a whole ball of goodness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you're saying like, I've done this day. It was great. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, go and have your Thursday. I've had mine. It was really great. It's sort of like it's almost like a restaurant recommendation. You know, you've got to have this dish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so please have this day with all of its joys. And uh, and for me, this has been, you know, while I said it's been a great day, this has been the absolute highlight. And I really treasure your time. And thank you. And to all of our beautiful listeners, thank you for joining us from wherever you are in the world and wherever you are in your world walking, cycling, listening in the car, whatever's going on for you, we are cheering you on. Thanks for listening.